So let's talk about our current reality. I mean, we heard in the news bulletin just this morning and throughout the weekend, I guess, of just the alarming number of confirmed coronavirus cases we have in South Africa. And we are now um, sitting in the in the the same pot as uh, many other countries um, as uh, we hit, you know, beyond the 350,000 mark of positive mm-hmm. cases. And we've seen thousands of people dying. And these are not just people. These are families. These are uh, people that we love, people that are close to us. So on that note of family, we've seen how this virus is wreaking havoc in families. We've, we've shared our own stories yes. of um, of what's been happening in our families as well. So joining us on the line is Dr. Marlon McKay. He's a GP at Goldman Medical Center in Florida. I mean, let's talk about the coronavirus um, and the issues that it's bringing about within the family as it spreads and really wreaks havoc. Doc, good morning. Good morning, Mo. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute uh, pleasure under these circumstances. Multiple infections in the family. It is um, a very big issue, Doc, because we've seen how mom, dad is positive, and then the kids are positive, and then even, uh, you know, grandmother, Kuku, is also positive. I mean, if we are found, if, we, if one finds themselves in that situation, I mean, I mean what's the protocol here? When, what do we do as a family if there are a number of us who are positive in the household? Yeah, that's, that's such a good a good point because that's what we're seeing a lot of. And we know that household transmission, um, uh, the rate of household transmission is extremely high because mm-hmm. of of, uh, of the closeness of the family unit. You know, once, you, once you're home, you regard your home as a safe space. And so mm-hmm. the masks come off. There's no social distancing. Um, and, and surprisingly, the data shows that most of the transmission happens in the what we call the incubation period. So that or that pre-symptomatic period. So so one member of the household is the breadwinner, so works or the two breadwinners. Um, they get exposed at work or on the on the bus, or on the taxi, at the shop. Bring the virus home, and um, even before they develop symptoms, those five days before they develop symptoms, they are already spreading it to the rest of the family. And by the time the index case, so the, the main person gets ill. The others already starting have been exposed to it, and mm. and 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 um, and once it spreads like that, it spreads right through the family. And as you know, those who are uh, the older folks, our grannies and grandparents, they get they get it worse. So so, in a sense, you know, especially with this, with with small homes, you know, in terms of buildings or fewer mm. rooms, mm. it's it's very difficult to isolate one person when there is only one bathroom, when there is only one or two, one or two bedrooms. Whereas mm. in multiple, in multiple households, well, in multiple infections in one household, it's in a sense you're all in under the same roof, uh, uh, literally, you're all in the same boat. So you can, all, you, it, it, it's, it's senseless isolating everybody separately in different spa- spaces. They have mm. the same infection from the same person, so they're in the same boat. Um, but they have to take care of each other not to allow further infection. I think the mm-hmm. people who need to be protected the most more are the elderly, our grandparents. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, the older you are and the more comorbidities you are, you are going to get, the risk is much higher of getting a severe infection and even dying from it. Mm-hmm. The kids are not too much of an issue. Kids are not the spreaders. They get a mild illness. They will come through it. Most of the young adults will come through it okay. 
but it's the main priority is really to protect further spread outside the home, but also to limit the spread to the elderly. So they should either be removed or they should be isolated with immediate effect. Yeah. Doctor, when you look at the housing reality in places like South Africa or Brazil, where there's plenty of favelas or shacks, and as you said, people are not always able to isolate in those small spaces, what then do they do um, if and when they don't have access to those um, government facilities where they can go to quarantine for 14 days or so? How then do they uh, keep themselves um, healthy, if it's possible at all? Is there risk of reinfection? Uh, What do people do? Yeah, that's such a that's such a relevant question and such a difficult one to answer in the context of of our country, you know. Um, but what I what I do suggest is, you can even make a safe space. It doesn't have to be a, a necessarily a room, all right? A safe space within, so that at least nobody comes within three meters, two point five meters. So it can be a corner of a room. Doesn't have to be subdivided where uh, where the one who is infected can stay in order to limit the spread, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, then extensive desanitizing, hand masks, and but what's a very good point is ventilation. I know it's winter, mm-hmm. and I know it's cold, but if this thing is if this thing is uh, can be suspended in the air as we suspect it could be in terms of airborne transmission. Anytime someone coughs or breathes, you're literally keeping this mm-hmm. virus in the air. So, so that mm-hmm. creates another challenge. So, one thing is what we're saying is avoid a closed space. Don't be in someone's company for, for more than 15 minutes and create adequate ventilation so that this bug can at least get out through the windows and out into the open air and not be stuck in the home where mm. more people can become infected. But it's a difficult mm-hmm. one. There's no, there's, no, there's no correct straight answer that can help everyone in terms, especially with, with the way we are living now in South Africa.